The topic of the Perik is Yir Sashem, and as we discussed last year, last week at length, in the last lesson, we discussed that the way to arrive at Yir Sashem is through Das, is through contemplating, contemplating Hashem's greatness in a Das way, as we explained last week um, at length what that means, the difference between a Das contemplation and a Bina contemplation. And last week we concluded that a person should think and, and, and focus on the idea they have to stay away from Averis and to do mitzvahs because Hashem is watching, He's paying attention and He's listening, He's understanding He's watching everything you're doing as Chacham Talos in the Sechtas Avis this is what we finished off last week, let's run with it third of the way up from the bottom of the page. That a person consider, think deeply about three things, and you won't do any Averis, and what are they? The fact that Hashem has an eye that sees, and an ear that hears, etc. So this is a part of his Bainimus, part of the contemplation that a Yid has in order to get Das, and in order thereby to have Yiras Hashem, is thinking about how Hashem is watching everything that we are that we are doing. Now, there's a famous story, a very famous story about the Chafetz Chaim, that he was once uh, take, taking a ride somewhere, he was being taken in a, in a wagon by a balagala, a wagon driver, and they passed by a orchard, and the wagon driver sees there's some nice fruit over there, and he was a little hungry. So he says, he stopped, he stopped the, the, the coach at the side of the road, and he told the Chafetz Chaim, he says, I'm going to go pick some fruit. And uh, you tell me, if you see anyone's watching, <laughs> then, 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 then let me know. Especially if you see the owner, then, say, then tell me that he's watching. And I'll know quickly to run back to the, to the wagon. So the guy runs out, and as he's about to take a fruit, Chafetz Chaim starts screaming at him, he's watching, he's watching, he's watching. So he quickly scampers back onto the wagon. And he whips the horse, and they go, and after like a half a mile or a mile, he turns to the Chafetz Chaim and says, thank you so much for uh, being my watchman and for taking care of me. By the way, who was who, who watching? So Chaim said, Hashem, Hashem is watching. <laughs> so, let me ask you, the wagon driver didn't know that Hashem was watching? I don't know, I'm presuming that the wagon driver was a Yid. I don't know, maybe it was a Goya. Never heard all the details of the story. I didn't see the movie. But uh, presuming that it was a Yid, or the rest of us who sometimes we do things that are unbecoming of someone who's aware of the fact that Hashem is watching all our behaviors. Why do we act that way if Hashem is watching? We know Hashem is watching. As we learned in the last page, what Rabbi Yechel ben Zakkai said, that we fear our fellow more than we fear Hashem. That makes any sense. If I see a 10-year-old kid on the street, can't do anything to me, he's a nothing, doesn't even know my name, but I'm gonna, I won't behave inappropriately in his presence. And Hashem, who created, the creator of heaven and earth, not cre- the one who created heaven and earth, the creator, who's constantly creating a heaven and earth, and as we all said, we are the clay in his hands, and he's watching us always, why aren't we nispo? Why, why, why aren't we impacted? No? We are human beings. We don't see you. We can't relate to him. We have no rapport. He's yeah. invisible. We are human beings, but I'm a human being also when the 10-year-old is watching me. And still I behave. So that doesn't explain it. But the difference is that Hashem is spiritual. And I'm physical. And therefore the whole concept is uh, somewhat difficult to, uh, to relate to. So that is a challenge that we are going to be talking about right now. How do we get over this challenge? The fact, you know, you're telling me that Hashem is watching me and Hashem is listening to me. But let's look inside. Let's start inside. Page Samach. The first word in the line is Yuroya, which are on a third of the way down from the bottom, up from the bottom of the page, where it says Vegam. Vegam ki ein leidu musaguf. But the Abishtar, you're telling me that he has an eye that's watching he has, and, and an ear that's listening. He has no body. He has no eyes. Hashem has no eyes. Hashem has no ears. And moreover, the Rebbe doesn't only say vegam ki ein guf. It doesn't say that it's not only he doesn't have a body. Ein le'dumus What does a dumus mean? A dumus means a likeness. 
He doesn't even have the spiritual likeness of a body. It's not as if there are, there are spiritual eyes or spiritual ears. Hashem is completely above and beyond and transcends all these things. So how am I supposed to um, have years Hashem from uh, an entity which doesn't have eyes, doesn't have, hear, it doesn't have ears, doesn't have a body? So the Rebbe is going to tell us that's the contrary. When we, when we have this thought that Hashem doesn't have a body, He doesn't have eyes, He doesn't have ears, we can flip it on his head and use it to our advantage. Why? Says the Alter Rebbe, Hari Adarabe, it's the contrary. Because he has no body, and he has no eyes, and he has no ears, so how is he aware of everything that's going on? No? Can you be aware of something if, you have no, if your eyes are closed and you're wearing a... No? No, you can't? Zero. Really? Only logically you can philosophize. So if you're wearing a blindfold... And the ear thingies, what are they called? Earplugs. Earplugs, and I came and I slapped you in your face. You wouldn't know that I slapped you in your face? Yes, I do. Are you? No eyes, no ears, how do you know? But I feel it. Ah. <laughs> ah. You, you, you sense light if you don't have a, if, you, if your eyes are closed. Light still, you still sense well, it. It depends how thick the. But the point is, there's two ways to know something. One way is my eyes and ears. My eyes and ears make me aware of things that are outside of me. But for something that's happening inside of me, if I have a headache, I don't need to see my headache to know that I have a headache. I don't need to hear my headache. What? I have to feel it. How do I know it? It's intrinsic knowledge. Because I am me, so I am aware of everything that's going on within me. So Al-Tareb is going to say, Hashem's knowledge of everything that goes on in the world is not with eyes and ears, it's deeper. Hashem knows what's, everything that you do the same way you know when you have a headache. Like, imagine you come, you say, I have a headache, and I'll say, prove it. What do you prove it? How do you, how do you know you have a headache? So that, the, our, the knowledge that we have, intrinsic knowledge, is much deeper and much more absolute and much more essential than any knowledge that we get through our, that, that comes to us through our eyes or through our ears because it's something which is within us. Hashem's awareness of everything that goes on in this world is in that same way. So therefore, the fact that Hashem doesn't have eyes or ears or a body that doesn't mean that he knows less what's going on. That means he knows more and in a much deeper way what's going on. When I hear something, maybe I heard it well, maybe I didn't hear it well. When I see something, maybe I saw it well, maybe I didn't see it well. Maybe my memory of it isn't so good. But when something is going on inside me, you know it. I know it. And the Shem's knowledge of the world is in the exact same way. So if you think to yourself, oh, but how, how, can I, how does Hashem know? After all, he doesn't have a body. That itself actually leads you to the conclusion that Hashem's knowledge is an even greater and deeper and more essential one than were, th- than anything with a body. Insight. but to the contrary, everything is known and revealed to him. So much infinitely more so than that which is perceived by the eye, or that which a person hears with the ear of the Marshal. Rak, rather, how does Hashem know everything? Well, derech mashal, by way of example, like a person who knows and feels by himself, anything that's happening or it's done by any one of his 248 limbs. For example, cold. Cold. You don't need to you don't, you don't look. To see if you have uh, goosebumps, to know if, uh, if you're cold or not, or if you're red, or heat. Even if you, uh, you stick your toenail into something which is hot, you'll feel it, even though that it's the lowest part of you. If, uh, if it gets burnt by fire, you'll, you'll know it. You know anything that's going on with any part of your body, and you also know the fact that they are, the fact that they exist. And similarly, all your sensations and your feelings that you have because of any part of your body, you're aware of it and you know it in your mind, in your brain. Similar to this kind of knowledge, Hashem knows anything that happens in all the creations the higher ones, the lower ones why? because everything comes from Hashem so just like the reason why the brain 
um, feels the pain of any part of the body is because the chayis, the life force, which is in every part of the body, in every limb, comes from the brain. And it's constantly coming from the brain, coming and going, coming and going. So therefore the brain, the nerve, you know, the, the signals, the brain senses anything that's going on in any part of the body because every part of the body is receiving chayis from the brain. The same thing because all of creation, everything, is receiving chayis constantly from Hashem. So therefore Hashem is aware of what's going on with everything, not with a, with a knowledge or an awareness that's outside of Him, but with a knowledge and awareness which is part of who He is. Because this is the, he's giving chayis to everything. As the Apostle says, Two lines from the bottom. Everything we say, everything comes from you. This is what we said. We just finished saying this on Rosh Hashanah. And also all that which was fashioned is not withheld from you. In other words, because you fashion it, because everything is your Yitzur, everything is your Yitzira, everything is fashioned by Hashem, therefore automatically He's aware of everything that goes on with everything. As the Rambam says, and I'm going to skip for right now the brackets, we'll get back to it. This is something which we've uh, learned in Tanya on several occasions. The Rambam says, That Hashem knows everything by knowing Himself. He knows everything that's going on with everything by knowing Himself. Why? Because, because everything comes from Amitasi Matzai, because everything derives from Him, not only derived from Him, but derives from Him at every single moment. So therefore, Hashem's self-knowledge, just like we have self-knowledge, Hashem's self-knowledge, He is aware of everything that goes on in, in the world. Sorry? Yeah, the truth of Hashem's existence, yeah. As the Rambam says, that who hamada, who yedea, who hayedua. Again, this is a concept we've, uh, we've discussed in the past, that by a human being, when we understand something, there are three things. There's the person, there's the person's knowledge, and those are two distinct entities, because the person existed before he had that knowledge, and the person will exist even after he forgets that knowledge. So there's the person, there's the person's knowledge, and then there is that which the person knows. And by Hashem, all three are one. Hashem is one. Hashem is one with his knowledge. And also, he is one with that which he knows. Everything he knows, he knows by knowing himself, because he is one with everything that there is. In the brackets, the Alt-Rebbe writes, even though this is something which the Rambam writes, and we know the Rambam generally is considered to be from the school of thought called the Chikrim, the philosophers, not the Mikubalim. But the Kabbalah in this area, the Chachmiya Kabbalah agree with the Rambam, of Haramak, as the Ramak Kardavira writes in the Sefer of Pardes. In the Sefer, in the Sefer Pardes Rimainim. So even the Kabbalah also agrees that, that Hashem is one and that I, with his that which he knows, and the fact that Hashem knows everything is due to self-knowledge. It said Right. It's a, a problem that Hashem is. If you like it, the fact that Hashem is aware of everything that that's a that's a given. But what we're saying over here that His awareness of everything is self-awareness, and that's a much deeper awareness than um, than anything that a person can can see or can hear. You know, it says Vale Sasuru Achri Levafkam Vachri Enechem, right? So Rashi, sorry. Right. So what? So what is Le Sasuru? So Chazal say the word sasuru means is, is, is the same word as sarsur, is a middleman. That the eye is a middleman. It sells you stuff. You know, it, it, uh, it's like a middleman that comes and says, I have a good product for you. So your eye is, the word, the word sasuru is similar to the word sarsur. In, in Hebrew, a sarsur is a... Yeah. A virtue. Um, yeah, someone who buys, uh, buys from one and sells to another. In other words, the nekud of an eye is that it's not self-knowledge. It's giving you awareness of something which is outside of you. As opposed to self-knowledge. So by Hashem, His knowledge is not through an eye and through an eye which makes Him aware of something outside of Him, which obviously that awareness is nowhere as strong as an awareness of something which is, uh, which is inside of you.
says that. So therefore, again, going back with the context of this is, when a person says, how can I fear Hashem if he has no body, he has no eyes, he has no ears, you answer it to yourself, yeah, because he has no body, he has no eyes, and he has no ears, so how is he aware of me? Through self-knowledge, and that's a much deeper awareness than that which is possible through any of the, of the senses. Avil Ba'emes says that in truth, however, even though that we just gave an example of self-knowledge, it's not really a good mushal. It's not really similar. The purpose of the Altar says, I'm giving you this mushal only to calm down your ears. It's an expression. Like Hamas mm-hmm. To give you something, a little inkling to be able to understand something, but it's not really similar. The mushal is not similar to the nimshal. And why is that? Let's do this first outside, then we'll do it inside. Al Rebbe says like this. By a person, a person, the, the, who, the neshama has self-knowledge, is aware. The neshama is aware of everything that's going on in the body. It's a two-way street, however. Just like the neshama is aware of what's going on in everything in the body, the neshama also is impacted by everything that's going on in the body. So, for example, if a person, his foot is hurting, so the nefesh, the soul, is aware of it. That's what we're talking about, the self-knowledge. But the soul is also impacted by it. Ever tried sitting and learning uh, with a headache? Or with a, or, or, or with a footache? So it's your mind, which, which, how is your mind impacted? Your nefesh, how is that impacted? But the nefesh and the guf come to be, become completely one to the point that they are in a relationship wherein one affects the other. And that's why it's so important to... Uh, you know, um, the Radam talks about that being healthy is part of serving Hashem. And why is that? Because the Neshama is influenced and impacted by the Guf. That's a good question for after class. So, therefore, so what do we have? Yeah, the Neshama is, unites with and is intimately aware of everything that's going on in the body. But at the same time, that, that very relationship, which causes the neshama to be aware, also because of this inextricable bond between, excuse me, between the neshama and the guf, so therefore the neshama is also impacted by the guf. That's actually why it's in, it knows what's going on, because it's impacted. Very good. In fact, what you're saying is correct. How is it that the neshama knows what's going on in the body? Is because it's impacted, because... The nerves are constantly sending messages, messages and uh, you know transmitters to the brain, and it knows what it, it, it feels good. It doesn't feel good. So by Hashem, it doesn't work that way. Hashem is aware of every single thing that goes on over here in this world, with self knowledge. But he's not impacted. He's not impacted. So in this way, the mashal and the nimshal aren't exact. Let's do this inside. Because the soul of a person, not only what you call the nefesh achiyunas or the nefesh bahamis, you know, the soul that's giving life to the body, but even the the part of the soul which is called the nefesh achiyunas, the intellectual soul, even the godly soul, he mispa'elas is impacted and affected from the happenings of the body, and any pain that the body experiences. Why? Because the neshama is invested, enclosed within the nefesh achayunis, hamlubashis beguf, which is in the body, mamish. Hashem is not impacted in any way by the happening of the world, the happenings of the world, and any changes that occur in the world. And the world itself doesn't impact him. The whole creation of the world didn't impact him. None of them make any change within him. In other words, if Hashem were to be impacted by something that happens in the world, that means that Hashem changed. And we know it says, Hashem doesn't change. Hashem doesn't change means that Hashem can't be impacted by anything in the world, because that by definition would mean, let's say something happens in the world, that makes Hashem sad. That means there is a change in Hashem. So why do you say uh, Hashem is angry? It's a good question. Not, that's not talking about the essence of Hashem like we're talking about over here. In other words, what the truth mean, is, that metaphor, in the Likus, there are different levels. I was waiting for someone to say, 
Pirkei Yava says, there's an ayin raya and ayin shemas. There's an ear, yeah, ayin ear. It was bothering me too. What but it's just a metaphor. And then there's a pasuk. Ayetzer ayin, right? Ayetzer ayin. Halo yira, yitzer ayin, halo yishma, eine yashem, ozne yashem. So yes, but it's not, the Rebbe is saying something different here, which is like this. In general, it's explained in Chassidus and Kabbalah that when it comes to Hashem, there are different levels. There's one pasuk. I think we've spoken about this before. There's one pasuk that says that um, that on the Merkava, Yecheskel said that what did he saw? Kedmus Kemara Adam. He saw the, like the image of a person. So Hashem there is compared some way Kedmus, the likeness of a human being. There's another pasuk in Shmuel where it says Kilei Adam, who that Hashem is not an Adam. So how do you resolve this? Obviously, it's not a huge question. It doesn't say. The Yecheskel saw Adam, which Kedmus Adam, but Chassidus explained that there is the level of Hashem as he is higher than Atzilus. There, like Adam, who there, Hashem, there is no, not, like, he's not an Adam, he's not, not a Demus Adam, he's nothing. There is no, there is no, there is no eyes, there is no ears, there is no physical eyes, there is no physical. I mean, there is no spiritual eyes, there is no spiritual ears. It's what's called Pshitos. It's one. Hashem is one, and then there is Hashem as he comes down to the lower levels, extension. Um, you know. Um, Expressions of Hashem's highest. So also, when we're talking about Hashem reacting in any way, we're not talking about the essence of Hashem. The essence of Hashem, they were talking about Hashem. But there, Hashem, in the, in the essential level of Hashem, He's aware of everything that's going on in the world through self-knowledge, but at the same time, He's utterly unimpacted. He told, he told the Malachim, Naseh Adam, it's Almeno, in the beginning. Right. Naseh Adam. But that's with Salmenu, as Hashem is an Atzilus, as Hashem is an Adam, right. In order to understand this idea well in our mind, how, how Hashem on the one hand is completely one and united with creation, and everything that happens there, He's aware of it through self knowledge. So to understand this, this uh, the Mukubalim dealt with this at length in the Sfarim. Ah, however, call Yisrael, all of us, we are believers, the children of believers. Whether we understand it, whether we don't understand it, and every day we say, You are the one who was there before the world was created, etc. You are the same one after the world was created. In other words, there's no differences at all, as explained earlier in Perichaf. So, to summarize what we're saying over here, Hashem is aware of everything in a way of self knowledge, but even deeper self knowledge than by the human being, because by the human being, think about it. Our self-knowledge. Do I do I intrinsically know what's going on in my foot? Yes. No, I know about it. Why? Because I'm affected by it. I'm affected by it. I'm impacted by it. So therefore, for example, when a person is paralyzed, let's say he has a foot that's paralyzed, but it's alive, it's fully alive, the blood is it's alive. Or if you ever you don't have to use an example of paralyzed. If you uh, ever got a, a filling or something, and you got your uh, right, so you become all numb. You, know, you can go right. You can bite. As it happens, you'll bite your you'll bite your your inside, right, and uh, you don't feel anything. But three hours later, you feel it, right? So how is it that you don't feel it? Because since you shut off the sensors that are sending the the signals to the brain, so you don't feel it. So the self knowledge that we have is limited to the fact that we're receiving these signal, signals. But Hashem isn't impacted. And yet Hashem is still aware. So that's an even deeper self-knowledge than what is possible on the human level. So all this is there to address that which we're asking again. Hashem doesn't have a body? He says, Dr. Rebbe, yes, you're right, He doesn't have a body. His awareness of us is much higher and much more essential and therefore much deeper than were He, Chas Vesholem, to have a body or eyes or ears, etc. Thank you. Now, if we can go off a little on the side. This Shabbos is Yud Gimel Tishrei. And it is the, the yard site of the fourth Rebbe, fourth Lubavitch Rebbe, his name was Rebbe Shmuel, Rebbe Shmuel of Lubavitch, known as the Rebbe Maharash. And the Fidik Rebbe told over a story about him, and the Rebbe also repeated the story in the very first Maimer when the Rebbe became a Rebbe, the Rebbe repeated the story. He said that the Rebbe Marash, he, he was a Rebbe for a very short time. He became Rebbe 
in the year 18, 1866, and he and passed away in 1883. So he's a rabbi for like um, less than, no, less than 16 years or something. Passed away, he was 48, he was very young when he passed away. Wow. Yeah. And that was a, a, a that was a very terrible time for the Yidden in Russia, a time of pogroms. There was a lot of so he he was a very very major askim. A lot of his work was simply trying to um, yeah to save the Yidden in, in any way possible. You know, uh, so many Russian Yidden came to America in those years, and around the 1880s, in those years, because of all the terrible things that were going on at that time in Russia and in Ukraine. So the Fidig Rebbe said that once his um, the Rebbe Marash he told his attendant we have to go to go to France to go to Paris and he was a very busy person the Rebbe Marash has mentioned and, uh, the Rebbe, to illustrate this point the Rebbe said that he was so busy that there were times that 8 o'clock in the morning he was already after davening now, for many of you, that doesn't sound very surprising. But for Chabad Rebbe, 8 o'clock in the morning to be after davening, when often the Rebbe's with daven, you know, till, till the middle of the time. But that's how busy he was. So they went to Paris. And the Rebbe said, I want to go to this particular hotel. They named the hotel, so they went to the hotel. And they went, when they went to, to get the room, so the Rebbe Marash asked the, the, the person by the, by the desk, he says, on which floor is the casino? <laughs> so he said, it's on this floor, I want, I, want, I, want, uh, I, I want a room on that floor. <laughs> the attendant, okay? They go, they, go, they, go to the, 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 they go to the room, and after being there for a few minutes, Ramanash says, okay, come with me, come with me. And he walks straight into the casino, and walks straight over to one of the, the tables over there, where they're playing, uh, I don't know, cards or something. And... There is a guy standing there by the table with a glass of, uh, of wine. You know, this is, this is Paris, a glass of wine, sipping on a glass of wine. Obviously, not kosher wine. Lebanon walks over to him, taps him on the back, and he turns around and he says to him, young man, young man, yayin nesach is metamtem halev hamoyach. Non-kosher wine, it pollutes the mind and the heart. Do tshuva. He's Jewish. <laughs> I didn't know he was Jewish. Apparently so. The Rebbe turned around, went back to his room, and told his attendant, "Let's head back to Lubavitch." And that was the whole trip. Headed back to Lubavitch. <laughs> and shortly thereafter, guess who? Guess who comes to Lubavitch? This person. He comes to Lubavitch, and he became a baltruva, and a whole mishpacha of um, of Yerushalayim came from this person. Now, obviously, there are many elements to the story, and there's, uh, there's the element of, uh, the obviously, Israel, of which is what the Rebbe tries to illustrate, the tremendous, obviously, Israel that the, that the Rebbe Marash had to make this, this, this journey just for this one year. Although later, the Rebbe Marash, he, he said that you should know that this person had a very high neshama, has a very high neshama, the Chmamash got stuck into, into Klippus. But I have a question, how did the Rebbe Marash know about this Jew in the casino in, in, in Paris? Far away. How did he know about it? And if it would have been close, how would he have known? It's the same story. Same so what's the standard answer that we give for these things? It's Ruach HaKadosh, right? How the Rebbe you know a million different things in different end of the world? You know, something happened. There was a great chassid whose name was Rebchani Mirazov. Rebbe Chanan Dev Mirazov. He was, once, he was the chassid of the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe. And he was once asked whether he thought that his Rebbe had Ruach HaKadosh. So he said, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. He says, if a Rebbe is supposed to have Ruach HaKadosh, he has it. And if a Rebbe doesn't need Ruach HaKadosh, then, then it really doesn't matter to me whether he has it or not. He's my Rebbe. And to me, that's much greater than Ruach HaKadosh. So if a Rebbe is supposed to have it, he has it. If not, that doesn't in any way impact. I'm not his chassid because he, because he has Ruach HaKadosh and therefore can do tricks and therefore knows what's going on, uh, you know, on the, other, on the other end of the world. It's related to our Because a Rebbe, who? This Rebbe Morozov. It's his great-grandfather. He's the one who passed away. The father of the one who passed away. Oh, the father. Yeah, yeah. The Rebbe says over this. The Rebbe says over this story about that Rebbe that he that he was once asked, and this was his answer. And it's a very deep idea, which is: Is it possible that the Rebbe Marash had Ruach Hakodesh? It's obviously it's possible. 
But the fact that a Rebbe is aware of a Yid in Paris, in the, in the, in the casino, how does he know about it? The same way I know him. My toe is hurting. A Rebbe is a Reish B'nai Yisrael. A Rebbe is the leader of God, a leader. But, but the word Reish literally means the head. So just like the head is aware of everything that goes on in the body. So a Emes Tzaddik, someone who's a Reish B'nai Yisrael, there's a reason why they're called the Reish B'nai Yisrael. When, when Moshe Rabbeinu talks about the Eden, he says, Sheish Meis Elif Ragli Ha'amashar Nechi B'kibre. So I have 600,000 feet. The Eden, each, each, each Eden is one of my feet. So of course I know what's going on. I don't need Ruch HaKadosh. I don't, it, it, see, Ruch HaKadosh means I see this far. Ruch HaKadosh means I see further. Or I see only in the present. Ruch HaKadosh means I see in the future. The, 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 the Ruch HaKadosh would mean that the Barash was aware of it because he had, he had more powerful awareness or eyesight than us. No. It was Yediyas Atzimai. It's self-knowledge. It's self-knowledge. And that's why Tzadikim always what they're aware of when another Yid is in trouble it's not because it's not because of Ruach HaKadosh I'm, I'm not a big tzaddik I'm not sure exactly how the mechanism works and very possibly that Marash did have Ruach HaKadosh but that's not the point the point is that an emissary tzaddik is someone who taka feels everything that's going on by every other Yid so you know, I some Mekubalim I was with a lot of Mekubalim they come to my house and speak to people they know the Sith thing that was in the past, in the future, to tell the person. Uh, again, I'm not saying that there, I'm, I'm not saying there is, that there is no Ruach HaKadosh. But I'm saying there's something even deeper than that. Something even deeper. That Sadiq's understanding of what's going on is even deeper than that. That's, um, the Ruchayim Vital says that we, we say, and, and when we say Ashamnu, we say Al-Khait. We do it, uh, everything is in plural. Al-Khait Shechatanu, Ashamnu, plural. What's the plural? And he says, why did my Rebbe, the Arizal, why did he say this? Why did he, he never did Averis? But because he's the head, he feels the Averis of everyone. Uh-huh. So in the plural, he's feeling the Averis of everyone. And with the Rebbe, there are many such stories, many, uh, many incredible stories. There's a, there's a Hasid whose name was Pinchas Woolstone. And he was, he, he was a Balchuva from Australia. And he became a Balchuva in Australia. After he became Balchuva, he actually found out that he was related to the Rebbe. He was a grandson of the Tzemach Tzedek. <laughs> of the Tzemach Tzedek. <laughs> but he was, uh, he was in Australia. He wasn't from at all. He became from, he went, he learned in Kfar Chabad. And then he came to America for a little. And he was in Crown Heights. And when he was there, one day he bumped into a Rav. In New York. In New York, a Rav. And the Rav says, listen, uh, you're from Australia. You're probably going to end up going back to Australia. He says, you should know that there is a woman from Borough Park who, um, a, formal, a formal lady, who she had a very difficult marriage. And then, to top it all off, her husband refused to give her a get for many years. She was an aguna. So she disappeared. And we, the rumor is that she's in Australia. So when you go back to Australia, if you happen to see her, you know, let me know. Look for her. So this guy says, I told the Rav, Australia is as big as the United States. <laughs> It's like imagine you're, you know, you're, 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 you're somewhere, so you, oh, you're going back to the United States. If you see this person in the United States, you know. So the Rebbe says, you know, you, but you're a Lubavitcher. When you go into the Rebbe, ask your Rebbe what to do. Mm. So he went into the Rebbe. Because he, when, when it came the time for him to go back to Australia, he went into the Rebbe. And um, before, he, before he left the Rebbe's room, so he told the Rebbe about this uh, story. But this lady, and he asked the Rebbe what to do. So the Rebbe says, you go back to Australia, maybe you should go to Brisbane. Brisbane is a city in Australia. It's like an hour north of Sydney by plane. Very few Yidin. Now there's a Chabad Shliach there. Very few Yidin. Then there was nothing. Maybe you should go next week. Maybe you should go to Brisbane. So he goes to Australia, and immediately he books a ticket to Brisbane, and he's on the plane to Brisbane. And sitting next to him is a lady who is a very or very orthodox greek or religious greek orthodox christian and she starts talking to him and she starts asking him different questions about about yiddishkeit and then at the end of the conversation as they were almost the, the flight was almost finished she says to him let me ask you a question if a jew leaves judaism are they rejected forever is the door closed or can they can they come back uh, this is hint for him <laughs> so he starts explaining that uh, no that in yiddishkeit there's no such thing as uh you know, uh, that's who a person is. You can take a vacation, but you always, always can and should come back. So she said to him, you should know that I own a chain of women's clothing stores in Australia. And one, I have a store 
in the city of Cairns, spelled K-A-I-R-N-S. And um, there's a girl who works there. And she's Jewish. And it's very obvious that she's not behaving now the way she used to. And she says she's happy, but I see that she isn't happy. And I'm wondering if there's anything you could do for her. And when he heard this, he literally started shaking. Literally started shaking. He's like, and he said, I want you to, he told us later, I want you to know the reason why I'm going to Brisbane is because the, 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 my Rebbe, my great rabbi, I, I asked her about finding a missing woman. He told me to go to Brisbane. I have no idea even where I'm going in Brisbane. And um, I'm pretty sure that this is the woman. So he got off in Brisbane. He took a flight straight to... What? Her store. To Cairns. To to, he took a flight to the, to the next place. He went into the store. She wasn't there. She was on a break. He waited. He came back. And she, first she didn't want to talk to him. She said, um, I'm working. So he waited until the end of her shift. And she wasn't very happy to see him. I mean, she was shocked, absolutely shocked to see uh, from a chassid in Cairns, Australia, in a woman's clothing store. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't know. He just said, he said straight out. He said, I, I'm here. And he said the whole story with how the Rebbe sent him. And she said, listen, all I ever wanted was a get. That's all I wanted. And if you can help me with a get, great. But if not, uh, you know, have a nice day. <laughs> so he got back, he, he, they got back in contact. He was New York, they found her, and they finally convinced the husband to give her a get. And she gave her a get. She moved back to America. She still wasn't from, and she decided she's going to college. She went to college, and in the college, there was a Chabad on campus. She started attending Friday night meals. She eventually became a complete Balas Shuva. And she now lives in Israel, married with Agatha Mishpacha, because of that trip to Brisbane. Just, uh, and there, there, there are many such stories. And how does the Rebbe, how did the Rebbe know that she was in, uh, the, you know, all the all these things? So again, one way to look at Israel Hakodesh, but the Rebbe Pashat, as a Reish Bnei Yisrael, the Rebbe senses um, where every limb is and how every limb is doing, and what's going on. And if we can go a little on tangent, just one more story, which I heard from the grandson of the person who it happened to. So this is a person whose name was um, Michal Hasofer, and he was um, an, he passed away. Right, he passed away a few years ago. He was an Egyptian Jew, and he was a, a communist and an atheist. And in the fifties, he moved to Tasmania. Where is that? Tasmania. Tasmania is underneath yeah. Australia. Right. What? An island, south of Australia. Oh, yeah. No, which isn't you described at all. <laughs> there's no Chabad there. No Chabad there. Today there's Chabad there, but I'm saying it's like, uh, no, but it, uh, then, then there was nothing. Then there was nothing. And um, and he was married also to this uh, to an Israeli woman. But again, they, they were running away from everything. Now, there was a minion over there in, the, in Tasmania, like 10 Jews over there. And uh, when he came to town, he was a professor. They found, was really, they found out about him, and they came to him and they asked him. They said, "Can you be our house?" And no, no one here knows how to read Hebrew, and you know how to read Hebrew. So at first he laughed and said, "I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Torah. I should be your chazan." <laughs> but they insisted. They, they said, "Listen, you, you read Hebrew. You're more learned than the rest of us." So he said, "Okay, we'll say that if you insist." So he started going to Seoul. He started being the chazan, and slowly but surely, he started becoming a little more and more interested in Yiddishkeit. Him and his wife. And they already had a few kids. And then one day, he had a, a thought came to him. Because he had been learning a lot of Tanakh. And he says, I'm looking for the Tanakh. And I see that in every single generation, the Jewish people had a leader. Yeah, right. Had a leader. Moshe, Yeshua, Devera, David, Yeshua. So it has to be. It has to be that today also... A there's a leader, there's a leader, there's a leader to call Yisrael. And if that's the case, then the leader should help me. Help me, you know, in my journey back to Yiddishkeit. And sure enough, a few days later, he's walking in the street, and who does he see? He sees an orthodox guy with a hat and jacket and everything, walking the street, and he's obviously he's looking for something. He walk, goes over and says, hello, you know, you're looking for something? Yeah, I'm looking for a Jew. Zamaju coming to the house. His name was Rabbi Chaim Gutnik. If you've heard the famous, uh, you know, the, the wealthy Gutnik, that's his father. Rabbi Chaim Gutnik was his father. And what happened was that a few days earlier he had gotten a telegram from the Rebbe telling him to go to Tasmania. That was the whole telegram. Go to Tasmania. 
his name was Chaim. Chaim Gutnik. Rabbi Chaim Gutnik. Yeah. No, the wealthy person is his son. It's his son. Yeah, yeah. How big is Tasmania? I don't know. I don't know how big it is. Anyways, they ended up. There's actually a lot more to that story. At the end, this person himself brought back many Yidden to Yiddishkeit. This Hasso for himself. The Rebbe used them in many different ways to make about to make different Bali Chuva, including in Malaysia. He went, but the point is again that Emes Tzadik is someone who feels every Yid be Dias Atzmei by feeling by feeling himself, not in the, and obviously this is magnified so many more times when we're talking about Hashem, that the fact that Hashem is aware of what's going on with every single one of us, which is the point Dr. Rebbe is trying to make over here, is not because he has eyes or ears, but because since he's the one who's giving life to everything, by knowing himself, he also knows everything else. And with this, we are going to, and now we are going to conclude that which we started in the beginning of Perik Membez. If you remember, we started, we asked the question, which was, now Moshe Rabbeinu turns to Yidin and says, Ma Hashem mi'imach. What does Hashem want of you? All he wants is that you should fear him. So the Rebbe asked him that. Actually, the Gemara asked him that. Not the Gemara asks, Is that a small thing? Is that a small little demand that you're uh, poo-pooing it, right? Making it uh, sound so trivial? And the Gemara answers, in Yes, With regard to Moshe, it's a small thing. So the Rebbe asked right away, but Moshe is not talking to himself. He's not looking in a mirror. He's talking to Klal Yisrael. So the Al-Tareb explains that this is where we're, this is where we're going to end up. The Rebbe says that what that means to say is that if we get in touch with the Das, which is within ourselves, as explained at length over the last few weeks, how we get Das, through receiving from the Neshama of Moshe, through being in touch with the Moshe Rabbeinu, which is, which is within the generation, and through the work which we described last week, the Hizbaininus, then, through the koyach of Das, of Moshe within us, if we get in touch with that, then take yira milchazutrasi, then yira is a small thing. Then yira is a small thing. Because if Hashem is real to me, if I have Das, and if, I, and, and, and if Hashem is something that I can connect to in a real way, then to have yira Hashem is not something which is a big deal. Insight. Every year, regardless of who he where she may be. When you take a significant amount of time every day to contemplate, how Hashem fills literally the higher worlds, the lower worlds, the heavens and the earth literally. This entire world is literally filled with Hashem's glory. Vetseifa umabit Hashem is watching and looking ubeichin klayes of elibai and is testing your heart and your insides v'chal masa v'chal diburav and all your actions and all your words v'chal tsaadav yispayer and he is counting all your steps. As I then, if a person takes a significant amount of time to be misbein on this, tikava belibai hayira l'chal hayim kule, that is going to establish Yira Sashem within your heart the entire day. When you think about it, even very little, a, a little thought at any time, you'll stay away from evil, you'll do good. Not to rebel against Hashem, who, is, who fills the entire world. But the Rebbe is saying like this, if in the morning you take a significant amount of time, whether it's whatever is significant for you, if it's an hour or if it's four minutes, but to really think about it, and as, we, as we've discussed in the past, thinking is not, uh, is not easy. We'd rather learn three chapters of Tanya than sit and think for three minutes. It's a nature, just to sit and to, to focus. But if we take the time, excuse me, in the morning, to focus on Yeres Hashem, to think about how Hashem, literally, He's here, He fills the entire world, watching everything, that establishes the Yeres Hashem in your heart, and then throughout the day, you're not going to need to think for 10 minutes. Anytime when you have an Nesayim, and you have a test, when Chas Hashem, you want to do an Avera, or if you're lazy and you don't want to do a Mitzvah, 
All you're going to need to do is take one moment, remind yourself of the year of Hashem, which you already contemplated in the morning, which you already, you know, uh, established in your heart that morning, and that will be enough to get you going throughout the entire day. You put in the work once in the morning, and after that, it just takes a little, you know, just reminding yourself. A booster. Yeah, a little, very good, a booster. A booster which takes five seconds, and you're, 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 you're good again. You're good again. If you don't have that time in the morning, then... But if you establish the year of Hashem, you take the time every morning to establish the year of Hashem in your heart, then throughout the day, all you need to do is once in a while is the occasional reminder, and you're good for the day. This is before davening or after davening? The tea is burning. But that all this is, I mean, if you didn't do before davening, you could do it after davening, but at the proper time... Which is, which is more preferred? Is before, before davening anyways, you're supposed to think about Rebbe Musakel v'shifl sa'adam. That's a preparation for davening. That's what it says in Shulchan Arach. So the, it's a proper time anyways to think about the greatness of Hashem, the, low, the, the lowliness of, uh, of, of us, and how what Hashem is watching us and expecting of us. As Rabbi Yechel Menzake said to the students, as mentioned earlier, that um, we can begin to relate to Hashem as a real reality, just like a fellow human being. We relate to fellow human being, we can relate to Hashem in the same way. And this is what the Pasuk says. Moshe says, what, what does he want? To fear Hashem, and to go in his ways. We are saying that these two are related to each other, they're connected. You should fear Hashem, and what is the purpose of the fear to go in His ways? In other words, you have to have a minimum of the fear which brings to doing Hashem's mitzvah, staying away from evil and doing that which is good. Meaning, as we, um, as we learned a little, and as we learn more in Mirta Hashem in the next Perik, there are many different levels of Yiras Hashem. There's obviously, there's the highest level of Yiras Hashem. But you, you know, where a person is trembling and, and in awe and standing in fear of Hashem the entire day. Right? What does pachad mean? And that's a very, what? Pachad, right? Fear. Fear. When the Rebbe was Davin and Rosh Hashanah, I think I mentioned this in the past that um, they had to pad the wall. General, when Dr. Davin had to pad the walls because he would he would uh, he would go into enter such an incredible dveikus and his lahavos, he would pound the walls and his hands would get bloody. So they had to put like uh, pads uh, on the wall. And he would also he'd do somersaults sometimes when he was davening, or when he was um, actually also when he was saying Torah. Yeah. If you learn the Rambam, what it says about Nevi'im, how the Nevi'im, when they would, um, when they would receive a Nevu'ah, how they would completely, their body would... Uh, right. So when Dr. Rebbe would get to V'chintein Pach, also, V'chintein Pach, 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 he used to say the word, he, he couldn't get the word out of his mouth. It was so, uh, so frightening. So, so such Yira Hashem, they couldn't say the word even. But that's not the year. Moshe wasn't coming and telling us, what does Hashem want of you? All he wants is that you should be sitting and trembling the entire day in awe of his greatness. Because that's not something which is uh, available and accessible to all of us. He said one thing. He says, Ma limcha, what does Hashem want of you? Hashem, to fear Hashem, a fear. How, do you want to know how much fear you need? Enough to go in his ways, to do the Torah and the mitzvahs. And what fear is that? That's the fear that we just spoke about. The knowledge that Hashem is watching me and, 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 and listening to me and every single thing that I'm doing is being recorded. That, and that fear, Moshe says, is accessible to every single yid. Maybe not the highest level of fear. But the the fear of Hashem which leads me to go in His ways, that is possible, again, if I take the time to have das and to think about it every day, for a substantial amount of time in the morning, and then again to take that booster every, um, you know, during the day as needed. Sorry. Right, that's the year Yerichimazaki. Right, but this is a very important thing because how many of us are like, ah, oh, I don't really have years Hashem. I, I don't really fear Hashem. I'm nothing, right? I'm garbage. Don't worry about that. You, your job is the year Hashem alikacha lalachas bechal derachov. 
And if you have that, you're good. You have to have fear of Hashem to the extent that you're doing Torah mitzvahs. But again, the fear, you're doing it out of fear of Hashem, not because it feels good. We have to have the fear of Hashem to the point that we do Torah mitzvahs. This is the lowest level of Yira, as mentioned earlier, which is why, if you remember the first words of Perik Membeis, Dr. Rebbe says, Based on the fact that we learned Yira Tata, we under, now we can understand the Pasuk of Ma'ashem Alekecha. Because if there's only the highest level of Yira, then the Pasuk still doesn't make sense. But since we learned that there's idea of Yira Tata, lower level of Yira, lower level of Yira is simply the fear of knowing that Hashem is everywhere and watching what I'm doing. And that's something, now that's the lower level of Yira, will the Gabi Moshe, and relative to Moshe, the Hainu, meaning, Legabi Bechines Hadash, Bechal Nefesh Mi Yisrael, relative to the Das, again, which was within every single Yid, and as we know, Das comes from Moshe Rabbeinu, Milza Zutra Sahi, it's Taka, a small thing. Taka, a small thing. Canal, as mentioned earlier. When Moshe said, Lechet Bederech Hashem, you mean to imitate Hashem? No. No, 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 to, to, no, no, no. The ways of Hashem are the mitzvahs. The, to go in His ways means follow the ways that Hashem told you to follow. Which means do the mitzvahs and stay away from Avedis. Because as you know, Das connects that which is hidden in the heart. In other words, that Yiras Hashem. We, the, what we discussed last year, the Oitzir of Yiras Shemayim, which is hidden in the, in the heart. Das brings it in a revealed way in the mind. Mamish, literally, as is known to those who study Kabbalah. So therefore, Das allows us, at the very least, even if you're from the lowest Neshama, and even if you've done Averis in the past, through the work of Das, which you get from Meshur Rabbeinu, you can, at the minimum, arrive at Yira Tata, this lowest level of Yira Hashem. There are higher levels of Yira, but this, what well, Meshur is coming and saying, what does Hashem want of you? All he wants is fear, and we're like, really? Meshur says, yeah, yeah, if you connect to me, you connect to what I'm giving you, the Das and the Neshama, you can have, at the very least, a year, a mil, a, a, that lowest level year. Now, so just to recap what we learned today. So we, we started off by asking the question, how can we have fear of something which is, uh, there is no eye, there is no body, there is no... Uh, so we said, to, we have to understand that Hashem's knowledge is higher and more substantial and more real and more deep because He doesn't have the body. And then we move on to conclude this idea of we started about Yira Milsa Zutr Sahim. In Mir Hashem, and next year, we're going to move on. Dr. Rebbe is going to introduce a beautiful new idea, another way to address the question of how can I fear something which I can't see with my eyes, something which I can't relate to with my five senses. Dr. Rebbe is going to bring a very beautiful idea how we can fear Hashem regardless, or actually how we can use our five senses to actually also bring us to fear Hashem. And that will continue, Mir Hashem. After Sukkot, so we can jump to everyone. Shafta, my Mesasim, my Yeshua. Next year will be. Next year will be. Um, no, the Sunday, uh, the Thursday afterwards. And state there might be something Chalmite. If yeah, you'll hear about it. But as of right now, the next year is uh, is in two weeks from tonight. How difficult is it to fear Hashem? Yeah.